What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? And we're back in the off-season because uh, International Rugby League rankings are out and we need to talk about it. So I've got Mike Mihal-Wood, Mr. International Rugby League, also known as the NRL Outsider. How you doing, Mike? I'm all right. I didn't realise I was Mr. International Rugby League, but um, look, the Netherlands are, what, 11th in the world now? So that means that I'm in the, I played rugby league in the 11th best competition. That's how I'm taking it. I the, Amsterdam Co- the Amsterdam Cobras <laughs> WhatsApp group was going off when this news came out. So shout out to all the Netherlands boys. My youngins. I don't want to correct you from the get-go, Mick, but 14. 14, Netherlands. Come 14. on. Let's not jump too far no. ahead of ourselves. They've, did, they've done a great job to get that high. But uh, 14, and of course, you have played for the Cobras, so I'm going to call you Mr. International Rugby League for this episode <laughs> anyway. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 128 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. And uh, Mike, mate, good to speak to you, man. Merry Christmas and all that, almost. How you doing? Yeah. How's your first summer? I'm all right. Yeah, warm Christmas. is It's, <laughs> it's still very strange to me. Um, I've, it's been good, man. I've, you know, there's only two seasons in Australia, isn't there? The summer and footy season. So <laughs> That's right. I thought you were going to say footy and cricket season, considering your love for well, the, uh, that other game. Yeah, well, you know, we don't talk about the cricket at the moment. As we're recording, this is after a... a international pants pulling down for England but uh, I've been enjoying Australia's attempt at soccer as well I was up in your in the Italian Australian heartland last week watching RPL Icart so we've been going around all the uh, all the soccer grounds getting into that which has been quite enjoyable too so you know I find ways to fill my time good on you man and good on Apia mate it's it's like a reserve grade team beating the uh, Western Sydney Wanderers it's like it's like the Newtown Jets beating you know the Melbourne Storm or something like that just to put it into context so that was a pretty good it was a good it was good to see like our oval on a in, on a non footy day and uh, yeah go everybody who's listening to this go look up the goal because the guys the winning goal was a free kick from the halfway <laughs> line which was pretty spectacular. Me and several of the New Sound Jets uh, backroom staff are actually stood on the hill with um, George Clark as well, my fellow the uh, part of the British Rugby League journalists uh, golf circle. Joanna Lester was invited, but she turned down yeah, turned it down. <laughs> There's only three of us. <laughs> All right, that's enough name dropping and shout outs and things yeah, like that, Mike. Yeah. Let's 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 get to the topic that we're here for. Of course, International Rugby League rankings are out. It happens every year or every year or so. And uh this year it's been interesting because uh if you read the rankings when they came out, well we were all asleep here in Australia, but over in Europe they were celebrating Serbia number nine, Netherlands number fourteen, Ukraine the highest jumpers. There was a lot to like if you're a European rugby league person. But then we woke up here in Australia and saw the kangaroos at number four and it's bullshit and this is ridiculous and how do they even calculate these things? And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. 
watching the backlash on Twitter and the social media. So we thought we'd jump on, have a chat. But but Mike, let's get to the start. Like Australia number four. How legit is that, mate? Well, it isn't, isn't, isn't it? Because I don't think anybody thinks that Australia is the fourth best rugby league nation in the world. So in that sense, not great. However, you know, as anybody who's read my stuff in the National Rugby League will know, there is a system. One of the things that International Rugby League hasn't had for, you know, 100 and odd years is a system. And in the system is a waiting towards when you played your last games. And if Australia refuses to play games, then they'll keep dropping down. So basically, the reason that they're fourth is that they, the, the results which, which had made them number one were from 2017 when they won the World Cup. But they just haven't really played any games since they've got a 50% record since, whereas England obviously played France. Um, New Zealand and Tonga have also played games against each other, against England. And so Australia has basically been punished for not playing in the National Rugby League. And I can't think of anything better than Australia getting a kick up the arse and saying, well, if you don't participate, then you lose your right to call yourself the best in the world. And the way you can get your throne back is play somebody footy. That's the thing. play. That's the thing, right? Do you think, do the kangaroos or do they RLC, do they, do they care about this? Are they sitting back going, this is ludicrous, we need to start playing games? Are they too concerned or are they just going to turn up at the next World Cup, blow everyone off the park and take that number one mantle back? Well, I mean, the, the, the gauntlet has been thrown down now. Go make the rankings look silly and be, make yourself number one again. That's what I'd say. And look, it's, it's a little bit like, do you remember a couple of years ago when Tommy Mackinson was named the best player in the world and won the Golden Boot and everyone went, well, Tommy Mackinson's not the best player in the world, which wasn't really the question because the winner of the Golden Boot is the best player in um, International Rugby League. And he had been the best player in that series, the one series that was played at a high level. So he won it. And I know, I know my former teammate, Jerome Schoenmacher, is very annoyed that having played in the only National <laughs> Rugby League game and got man of the match in 2020 for the Netherlands, that he didn't get it. But <laughs> he was man of the match and there was only one game played. Mate, Jordan Schoenmacher <laughs> is the official Chasing Kangaroos Golden Boot winner of last year. So he's, he can celebrate yeah. that one. But you're right, the first he, ever episode of Chasing Kangaroos. He doesn't need to be told that, though. I love you, Aaron, <laughs> but he doesn't need to be told that. Oh, yeah. Um, the first ever episode of Chasing Kangaroos was actually called Who the Fuck is Tommy Makinson? So we certainly understand. We certainly understand all of that. And that's the interesting thing, right? So these these rankings, of, like, of course, on paper, Australia is probably still the best. And and I think a couple of years ago when the Kangaroos lost against Tonga, there was a it was a real transition period. And we're saying this is the perfect time for other nations to leap frog them. We saw, you know, the, the great four, you know, your Smiths, your Slaters, your Cronks, um, all retiring. And, but now they've got some of those, got, you know, they've got some good key players in those positions, Tedesco, Cook, Munster, Cleary. So Australia on paper is back to their, their you know, their most threatening, I believe. And they'll probably showcase that at the World Cup next year, assuming they, they turn up, which I'm, I'm, you know, I think they will. But, um, Oh, this isn't that you sort of hit the nail on the head. This isn't an on paper world ranking. The world rankings are decided by who plays games, and that's the bit that I think people are missing in the Twitterverse. Yeah, because people look at it and go, especially in Australia. Australia is number one. Everything that's how it works. So if you <laughs> said to people, if you said, you know, we were just talking about the cricket there. If you said in the cricket, Australia is not number one. New Zealand are better than them. They go well. And nobody told me. 
you know, we've got Pat Cummins, we've got Steve Smith. And you go, yeah, but you didn't, there was a tournament and you didn't, you didn't win it. So um, it's, it's, um, I think it says a lot about the way that Australian Sea Rugby League put it that way, because it's not been, I think, in the, the Twitter universe that perhaps that we sometimes inhabit, you know, the, the International Rugby League, sort of progressive rugby league, listener base. Sorry to name drop again. I didn't mean to do that. I was accidental. <laughs> yeah, it's like you made a lot of guys. <laughs> it was small p progressive, but you know, give it the big p. Um, uh, yeah, so those people are going to say, "Well, yeah, look, they'll play any footy. This is what happens." Whereas, you know, I got into, a, into an Instagram spat with Clarky's rugby league column because he, he was giving out about it. And I said, "Well, you haven't played any games." So, and then he said, "Oh, yeah, England got flogged at the last World Cup." And I said, "Well, they came second, <laughs> so and they lost six nil in the final." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what did everybody else get if England got flogged? Um, so you know, Australia basically people don't remember these things, do they? So, and obviously, we would like a more competitive international rugby league schedule, and for various reasons that doesn't happen. I think we'd be here all night if we went into those reasons. But, you know, I've written many columns about it and you can go and read them, as of many other people. Um, the interesting thing for me about it is, obviously, we saw that turning point with the Tonga game. Yeah. But I'm not even sure Tonga are the best of the Pacific Island teams anymore because it's such a theoretical competition at the moment due to, obviously, the last two years of having not seen Tonga or Samoa or, or New Zealand play any games, where if you look that team that beat that beat Australia or that took compete in the 2017 World Cup with such a plum, how many of those players would you get in if you did a combined Samoa Tonga team? How many of them would be Tongans now? Because you didn't have, I mean, Jerome Luai played in the 2017 World Cup, but he never made a first grade appearance in Australia yeah. at that stage. I don't think Brian Toro had either. So you look at the the way that that team looks now and suddenly the, they look like the world beaters and I think they're in eighth, are they? So France would be above Samoa? Yeah. So, and that, this is kind of the joy of the Rugby League World Cup is that you just, nobody, until those squads are announced because of the way that it works, you know, theoretically, England, Australia and um, New Zealand could announce squads and Tonga and Samoa could announce squads and both have the same players in them and then suddenly you've got to go, well, is... You know, what if Dom Young has a great season next year for Newcastle, scores 20 tries, and is he playing for England or is he playing for Jamaica? Jamaica, yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's one of the joys of the Rugby League World Cup, I think. You know, I think a lot of, if that happened in football, people would think it was a farce, but I think it's a unique selling point the Rugby League has that we appreciate people such as yourself and myself who have dual heritage, and our game is a disproportionately large amount of those people because of a myriad historical factors, so... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say at the moment, but I guess that's why it's so exciting that we have the World Cup coming up. And I was going to ask you, like, is there a better way to record or to to find the, the or to to I guess decide the world rankings in a non World Cup year? And and you can't like the only other way is the paper test, really. And you can't even do that because of what you said. Um, you don't know who's going to play for whom, and and you know it's one of the joys of rugby league, I suppose. But you know, in theory, yeah, you're right, Samoa. Could be better than Tonga now. You know, Fiji and Papua New Guinea have improved immensely. You look at a side like Cook Islands, who I think are ranked 23, and even Wales, who are ranked 22, they would beat the next 10 or so sides in front of them quite convincingly if they were to, if they were to match up. You know what I mean? Like Serbia at number nine, you know, I think a, a full-strength Cook Islands would, would shellac Serbia. You know, 
if number four Kangaroos played number nine Serbia, it would be a hundred nil, unless Tommy Turbo played for Serbia, of course, and then you know Serbia might actually win that game, you know, uh, tongue in cheek. <laughs> but, but you know, that's that's the beauty of it. Everyone who's complaining, it's like, look, we how can we can only really um, base this off who's played games, and Serbia have played four or five every year consistently. You know, the Netherlands have played have won their last seven games in the past couple of years or something ridiculous like that. You know, these nations are playing playing games. So while it might not be completely accurate, I think, you know, we've got to reward these teams for playing games, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and look, that's, I mean, that is a reality of where rugby league is, right? Because you've got, you know, you've got Australia and England and New Zealand and, and whatever, where you don't really have to convince people of rugby league because of the domestic competitions, to a lesser extent France as well. But then you've got somewhere like the Netherlands where you have, and I can say this obviously having played in that competition, where you've got guys like me who just happen to live in the Netherlands who are already sold on rugby league. And then you've got all the Dutch lads that we play with. You know, Harder by Dolphins had an entirely Dutch team yeah. who then provide the bulk of the players to the Dutch national team. And those guys absolutely love that they can play for the Netherlands because they couldn't play for the Netherlands at soccer or, you know, cough ball or speed skating or all the other sports that the Netherlands likes. So they, you know, and those guys, well, they are so proud to pull on that orange jersey, as are the guys who play for Germany. You know, we had two guys from the German team play for the Cobras as well. Or when they went and played in, in Turkey, and I think the Czech Republic played in that tournament, and was Malta maybe the other team? Yeah, that's right. All those guys, you know, are so proud to, to pull on that jersey. So, you know, and if they want to do it, and they win the games, that's how you create a ranking system. And it's up to the other teams to play games and get ranked as well. Look, I think if it got to the point where the Netherlands kept winning 50 games in a row against Germany and, and the Czech Republic and suddenly found themselves in fifth above, you know, <laughs> above, above Australia, <laughs> then, then it might start to look a bit silly. But at this stage, you know, you can't, you can't rank the Cook Islands higher than 23 because like, when was the last time they played a game? Well, the last time they you played know, I, would have been against the USA to get into the World Cup. So, you know, that was a few years ago now. Yeah, um, yeah, and you look at Jamaica have gone and played, have played Scotland since then, for example. Or, I mean, I was thinking about that th- this just today, right? Because you know, when we said we we're going to do this part, I was thinking, well, actually, my my boys, the yeah, the Irish team, like, a, we haven't played a game in ages for well, you know a variety of reasons, the same as everybody else, and b, the team that we were to put out against, you know, if we played Wales, for example, would be so different to the team that we could put out in the World Cup because. I don't know, Luke Carey got injured last year when he would have played for Australia. Now he's probably not going to play for Australia. Does he turn out for Ireland? He could do. So, and you look, the difference between whoever we would have got playing six compared to Luke Carey is pretty vast. So, you know, not to, not to downplay who we could have picked, but they're probably not as good as Luke Carey. So, you know, we, we do inhabit that world where because of our eligibility system, you do end up with that. And I think that's a, a net positive for rugby league that we have such... Um, such a system because I think it reflects the game that we are but it does make it very difficult to do a ranking because are you basing you know Jamaica's performance in Jordan Turner's testimonial at Featherston against the team that's going to turn out against Ireland at the World Cup in, in Leeds because those could be two entirely different lineups playing with entirely different motivation you know and I guess that's the point of world rankings we have a World Cup every four years or we're supposed to right depending on how the world goes and and you know even even then World Cups every four years is fairly a fairly new concept for us rugby league fans. But, you know, what are we doing between them? Not everyone plays everyone, so you need to have some sort of ranking system. And, 
look, I think what we have is okay. I think what we have is actually pretty good. It's very similar to what FIFA do and what, you know, ICC do and all those sorts of things. But those guys play each other a lot more and they get a lot more games. Um, Unfortunately, the circumstances with rugby league, it's very different. You know, the, the kangaroos don't play many games at the best of times. Um, so, you know, this is what we're, we're here with. And until international rugby league becomes more important to, to, to the bigger nations and until we see more and more of it, it's kind of, you know, there's always going to be question marks. But again, that's probably the beauty of it. We get to have discussions like this. We get to debate with people online about the merits of it and, and the reasoning behind it all as well. So, you know, is that a bad thing? I don't think so. We're all talking about it. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that's happened because of these rankings. Like, obviously, International Rugby League maintains rankings because that's, you know, helps decide seedings and it helps decide stuff for qualifying, things like that. Um, but it is also because it keeps International Rugby, Rugby League as a talking point, keeps it sort of relevant to the news agenda. People are talking about it, whether they think it's nonsense or not, they're still talking about it, which is the point of doing, you know, if I put my marketing professionals out on for a bit, then it's the point of doing exercises like this. You know, this is why... The kangaroos, whoever Gallagher are, who sponsor the kangaroos, who would put out a merit team every month, and then you go, well, <laughs> hold on. Well, yeah. Nathan Cleary has been picked for the merit team about 20 times, but never yet to appear for Australia. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you made the mistake before of saying they've got Nathan Cleary, Cleary now. I was like, well, I'm sure he's... Well, he's been in many merit teams, Mike. Come on. Yeah, you know. yeah. He could still, still, could still turn off Croatia. Who knows? Um <laughs> As I believe he's eligible for, as Ivan was. So and I don't know when the crew, the Cleary family made their trip to Australia, but I'm assuming he's still eligible for Croatia. And maybe if Tommy Turbo to so turn out, turns out for Serbia, then we've got a game on our hands. So <laughs> get the Balkan Cup going. It, it changes everything. Serbia versus Croatia would be pretty fiery, I think, if we played it at like Edenza Park. Um, mate, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me, like, so obviously you're a, you're a big fan of, of, of cricket and, and football as well. When FIFA released their rankings or the IWC or ICC released their rankings, is there uproar like this as well? Like surely there's that people question those rankings as well. It can't just be a purely a rugby league phenomenon. So yeah. Now the first thing that came to mind, right, is Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Because Belgium have I don't know if they still are, but they were for many, many years the number one ranked team in the world. And that was largely because they were quite good, yeah. but they would always go in. They went into European Championships and World Cups as being the number one ranked team in the world with this golden generation, which has never actually really achieved anything. I mean, it depends. What's an achievement for Belgium is getting to the semi-finals of the World Cup an achievement. Coming third, which they did, was pretty. Beat England in the um, fourth place game, pretty big achievement, I'd say, for Belgium. But you know, you look at the team they have, and you think, well, could, could they have won it? But there was theories for years that there was ways that you could manipulate the rankings to get better seeding to help you qualify for the World Cup, which was by, you know, if you only played friendlies against San Marino and Andorra, because of the way that it was ranked, not to say that Belgium did this, but people thought there were countries doing this. Belgium yeah. was a good example just because they were number one. And people thought how officially so for such a long time. You know, they were one, it may be in the top five, but they weren't the number one. And it was just down to who they played. And then you would look at other teams like, say, I think Brazil, where they would play a lot of games where maybe they didn't put out their full team because, you know, or maybe Australia used to suffer from this in the OFC days because they would have half their team play in Europe who would have theoretically played in the World Cup, but just you weren't going to fly 16 players back from England to play 
player friendly against, you know, Fiji yeah. or qualify. So were they actually ranked where they should have been ranked? And it does play out. And in the ICC, it's a bit different because they have the full member status of test playing nations. And, and we could be here all day about who qualifies for the Cricket World Cup because that's an even bigger nonsense than rugby league. So, <laughs> um, not that rugby league's a nonsense, but you know what I mean? The, the way that cricket's done it is... is you think that rugby league acts in self self interest, and I, I I advise you to look up the last time Australia toured Bangladesh, um, the national disgrace of who Australia decides it gains <laughs> to play cricket against, and um, and you know as an island cricket fan, this is also you know we get excluded from tournaments for even though and nobody will play as a Test cricket for whatever reason anyway. We can get very angry about these things, and and <laughs> as you can tell, um. But yeah, I think there are there certain ways in football it's not perfect, but I think it's also because there's so many countries and it is very difficult to say, well, Senegal are ranked 12th and, you know, Poland are ranked 13th. Well, that's actually a bad example because they did play in the last World Cup, Poland and Senegal. <laughs> but like, I've literally picked, I could have put two nations from two different continents out of my ass. I picked two that did actually play each other. Okay, Ghana and... Uh, Austria, I don't think they played each other. So, you know, you can pick two teams and you think, well, one of them obviously plays in one system, one of them plays in another system. And you can look at the you know, the relative merits of both 11s, but it's a lot more sort of comparing apples to oranges as well, because we don't have, for example, like Tonga and Samoa yep. pick 17 players out of the same domestic competition, in which you can quite easily look at them, you know, against each other and compare the relative relative merits. I think the only issue you really get in in our rankings with that is, you know, how do you compare England, say, to New Zealand? Because, you know, half of England's team plays in the Super League. Well, you know, but they're the best players in the Super League compared to maybe middling players in the NRL. Yeah. So you don't, it's a bit more difficult to say and you don't really know until they play each other because as has been proven, you know, maybe this is me banging the drum that I always have, end up having this conversation in pubs with people who like off the Super League but you know John Bateman and George Williams who people thought were shy come over and turned out were quite good all along you know or Josh Hudson or, and just because exactly. they're the Super League doesn't make them rubbish loads of players I mean, I'm sure if, if you are if you ask you know most clubs in the NRL if they could sign Alex Walmsley from last season they'd probably take him so he just doesn't want to so there's 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 different reasons you know why you might say England are ranked and you know Put it this way, if it was a qualification system like they have in FIFA and England went around lapping France and Wales and Ireland and Scotland every single year, they would be ranked number one. Yep. Based on, and, and obviously they don't do that, but they, they it makes mo- no sense for them to continually play the same five nations and bash them because I don't think anybody would get, maybe France, France and Wales and Scotland would get better out of it and maybe they should do it for that reason. You could probably make an argument for a European championship along those lines, but it would probably result in the way that the ranking system is formulated, with England being continually ranked number one because they would win almost every game that they played. But, but, Whereas if they did the Oceania Cup, Australia would at least by the law of averages lose some yeah. because of the higher level of competition. But I guess that's what the World Cup's for, right? And every four years we find out who the world champion is and then we can have our ranking systems in between then and we have all our other tournaments in between then and you know, in a, in a perfect world. You know, we haven't seen a lot of international rugby league for the last couple of years, but... You know, there's, there's, I think the message is, you know, is, I don't think any system's perfect, no matter what sport you're looking at. And you've identified some gaps in some of the other major sports as well. And look, you, to be honest, you could have said anything you wanted there, Mike, and I would have had to believe you because I don't know how good 
you know, Belgium is at, at football, although I know they're okay, but it's it's just... You only know that Italy are champions, is that how it works? That's it, man. All I know is Italy are the best. Well, I saw, I looked at the FIFA rankings today and Italy were like six or seven and I'm like, well, this this must be ridiculous also. So, um, you know, that's 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 just how it is. So, do you want the... There is another ranking system. This is a bit off topic. Yeah, but there is me. another ranking yeah, yeah. system. Yeah, tell me. So, there is what's called the Unofficial Football World Championship. Yes, okay. Which, are you aware of this? <laughs> Kind of, but keep going because I had a question for you after this, which might this might be a good um, segue. Go for it. So, so this basically goes back to the first ever game of international football, which was a nil-nil draw between Scotland and England, which is played at the Oval Cricket Ground, top of my head, and they used a tape for a crossbar. Um, I guess it was about eighteen ninety, something like that. Maybe it was even earlier than that. Anyway, that's you know, this is the time period. Rugby league was but a trade union meeting at that stage. Um, so they, and ever since that game, because they've been out of track every single game ever, they've basically, someone has kept or formulated what the world championship would be were it done like the lineal championship of boxing. So the guy who beats the oh, guy. Oh, yeah, is, yeah, that's awesome. So <laughs> uh, the current world champions, I did, I looked this up. The current world champions are France, which is a rare occasion, <laughs> well, my knowledge of this. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to wait, well, I've got it in front of me here. I'm going to tell you who have been... Scotland have had, have had it for the most titles. Probably helped by yeah. uh, having won it first. Yeah. But uh, at various stages, North Korea have won it, and Northern Ireland have won it, and the Republic of Ireland, and Curaçao, and Australia, and rather rubbish football nations. Um, so it basically means it, it can completely miss the World Cup. You know, if the, if the current champion doesn't qualify for the World Cup, well, then the World Championship isn't played. Ah, that's <laughs> and so it cool. only goes... I think it only goes if you lose on penalties. It's considered a draw, so you didn't lose it in the same way that it would be in boxing. And if um, yeah, so it's basically as bounced, you know. And the important part of this, the reason I bring it up, is that in the last couple of weeks, we have had the entire history of rugby league and nationals has now been mapped and officially recorded. Blah blah blah. And so I put it out to you, Tony Collins, or um. Rugby League project. Andrew Ferguson. I was going to say, Tony Andrew and Andrew Ferguson. have some work to do. I know they've been out at you work. You have some work to do. Yeah. Who is the unofficial <laughs> Rugby League world champion along the linear boxing standard method rather than the World Cup? There is another version that resets and whoever wins the World Cup, it resets every four years. But I don't... I don't no, no. It's the world. It's the boxing, the boxing champion method. Is I'm, I'm going to put it... I'll, I'll tag Tony and Andrew just in case they don't listen to this one, but make sure they do. And uh, we'll get them to... We'll get them to figure it out because that's really interesting. Look, it'll probably still be Australia. Actually, if it can't be Australia because they lost their last game. So the most yeah. likely scenario is if I was a betting man, that Tonga is a current unofficial world champion based on that method. But that's freaking awesome. I love that. Yeah, I would imagine that Tonga is the world champion based on that. But that assumes that Australia were the world champions because they went unbeaten at the World Cup. So theoretically, everybody who played at the World Cup will have eventually, the, the, even if it went in as, you know, Ireland, they will have eventually have lost, you know, unless it was, say, Samoa and they had the draw, maybe. There was a draw, I think, against Scotland, maybe. Anyway, but we'll see. We'll see, because it could easily have been, you know, it, knowing rugby league, it could have been Moldova and they haven't played against <laughs> yeah. It's Latvia. So. Latvia is the <laughs> the boxing champion of rugby league. Um, yeah. Mate, that's that's crazy. I love that. I'm gonna We'll put the challenge out to, to Tony and Andrew, because I think we can figure that out quite easily with the information they've gathered over the past year or so. Um, so that's yeah. awesome, man. Well, look, World Cup, let's look at the, 
let's look at a few of the big sort of big sort of points that come out of the rankings, right? So, and we're looking mostly with the men's because that's where most of the the changes happen. But New Zealand remain number one. We of course have England at number two, Tonga number three, Kangaroos slip to number four. The other big movement is Serbia, who appear in the top 10 for the first time ever. And good on Serbia at number nine. Like, they play a lot of freaking international rugby league. Like, they have won more international rugby league games in the last decade than anyone else, or played anyway. I don't know about one, but certainly played. So, good on Serbia. Netherlands, we've mentioned, are at number 14 after their wins against Turkey this year and their success at the Euro D tournament in, in oh, sorry, wins over Germany, I should say, and success at the Euro D in Turkey. The biggest mover is, is the Ukraine. They're up uh, up 14 places to 25. So ha- they had some success against Russia. I think they're 100, to, 100 and something to nil win over Russia. Played a big part in that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. I can hear you typing in the background as well. But um, I also want to mention Brazil, number 42. And uh, I know that's a, that's a high number, but Brazil at 42 makes them the highest-ranked South American nation over Chile at 43, and that's the first time a South American nation has been higher than Chile, so I think that's amazing. If we move over to the women, pretty pretty similar, you know, Australia, New Zealand, England, they're all they're all in that top three, but we've got a lot of new nations in there, Fiji number nine, and, and I'd argue that Fiji, if they played a few more games, they're fairly new, but they, they beat Samoa recently, and if they played more games, Fiji could be a top four nation in the women's for sure. Brazil uh, are new at number 15 and Greece are new at number 16. Um, And meanwhile, pretty much no changes in the wheelchair rankings with France well far and and away number one. So, mate, was there anything that surprised you in those rankings in either men's, women or wheelchair or anything else I've missed that you want to point out? Uh, Well, I thought it was – I mean, you mentioned Brazil. I think it's interesting to see where the Brazil women are because they're such a difficult team to quantify given, you know – what we see so much of what Brazilian women's rugby league is like is that they have a really thriving domestic competition. It's actually interesting because they have a similar situation in cricket where the women's competition is far more advanced than the men's. Um, but you look at what's happening there and they're going to obviously play in the World Cup next year and they're, they're absolute dark horses. We have no idea what, what they're going to be like yeah. because they haven't really had the chance to play any of the other... We, I think we would be relatively confident given what we see you know, from videos and stuff like that, that they would be a good standard compared to, you know, most other non-traditional rugby league playing nations. But then compared to, you know, for example, Canada played in the last World Cup and would they beat Canada? We don't really know. Yeah. So I think that's that's the great, you know, one of the great things, especially, is, and we have that a bit in the wheelchair as well, with, you know, with Norway going to play, Ireland have just got into, I know we haven't done the PDRL uh, rankings. I don't think there is one, but you know they've just got accepted to the um, to the World Cup as well next year. So all of these great unknowns still exist. Um, yeah, I think it's also it's interesting to see that the game that me and you both attended in in Kensington Oval between Brazil and the Philippines has now filtered through into the rankings, um, which has probably done a lot to boost Brazil above Chile. Is the fact that they they played, played a couple of games, yeah. They play, they've won they a actually, couple of games. They also beat um they beat oh actually Uruguay. That was an unsanctioned game, wasn't it? Because Uruguay aren't full members, so that didn't count. But the fact that they played that game, yeah, would have done a lot to to improve their rankings for sure. Yeah, and I mean that was one of the best days of the rugby league season for me. So good to 
good to um, see that they're getting rec- rec- recognized for that, as are the Philippines, of course. Philippi- who were, yeah, Philippines, that's, I'm who glad were you really good them. that day. Yeah, that's another good one because Philippines came in at number 26. And the beauty there is, so so a few years ago, unranked, un, I think nah, non-member nations were ranked as well, as long as they were sort of getting their act together. And Philippines was there, but they fell out last rankings because they, they hadn't quite, they weren't quite members. But now that they are, um, it's good to see the Philippines back there again. And number 26, that's really strong. You know, ahead of like Nigeria at 27 and just behind Ukraine at 25. Like that's a good Philippines, I think. There's some room for well, maybe I was maybe I was being unfair here because when you you look at what's happening, for example, with Cameroon and Ghana and Nigeria, who you know play against each other, yeah, and then you've got the Philippines playing Brazil in Sydney, and then you've got the Ukraine playing Russia in in you know Eastern Europe, and you look well, how do you compare the, the relative standards? And that's kind of the problem you get with FIFA is that you you know between World Cups you're trying to compare. African domestic, or African domestic, you know, African continental qualifiers against Asian continental qualifiers against South American. And it's quite difficult to work out what the standard is. And then that's kind of what we have now. I mean, a little bit lower level. We're not talking about, you know, Mo Salah versus Kyogo Furuhashi versus, who's good, Andrei Shevchenko, more <laughs> recent than that. Mikolenko, he's on my football manager team. He's from Ukraine. Pretty sure he's a real player. Yeah. <laughs> I should be, I should, I should where was five years ago? I'd have been able to tell you everybody on the Ukraine team. I've lost it. Mate, um, you're no longer Mr. International Rugby League. I take back what I said at the start. No, that's. I'm just oh, I was talking about the soccer team. <laughs> oh, sorry. That, well, there you go. There you go. See, I mate. need it. I'm nothing anymore. <laughs> mate, um, and what the beauty is, you've just mentioned, we've meant the last five minutes, we've mentioned, you know, five or six International Rugby League games that 99.99999% of like NRL fans wouldn't even know who happened or wouldn't even know those nations played. So hopefully some of them are listening to this, man, because it's fascinating stuff. Mate, um, final question for you, Mike, because, um, you know, we could go on about this a lot, but, you know, and we're having a bit of fun as well because, you know, there's been some controversy and some big blow-ups on, on twi- in the Twitterverse or the Rugby League Twitterverse anyway. But um, if, if this was a paper test in your mind, how would you rank, like, you know, in, in the hypothetical world, how would you rank the top? I'm not going to say ten. That's a lot. Maybe the top four or five. Like, how would you rank the rugby league nations of the world in your mind? So uh, let's imagine the World Cup starts tomorrow. Nobody's injured. Everybody picks whatever team I think they're going to pick. Yeah. I think you're going to have. Oh, look! You, the podcast is called Chasing Kangaroos, right? So we got to put Australia at number one. Yeah. Um, I agree. With I that. look forward to next year when you call it Chasing. Lions. Um, no, no, it'll be chasing Toa Samoa. Yeah. Okay, anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's it. So I, I don't think you could split now. Look, I, I wasn't impressed with England last year from what I saw of them. Obviously, difficult to say when you don't have any NRL players because I think the best players obviously play in the NRL yep. um, from the England team. Even And then, you know, you didn't have George Williams. You didn't have, I mean, the team that you picked is ridiculous. I actually remember earlier... You know the wonderful conversations we have off air, in which I wrote out who I thought the England team would be. <laughs> um, it's probably I'm sat in my office though. It's probably sat around somewhere I could read it out. Um, but yeah, so it's hard to say. But I think England probably, you know, New Zealand, England. I think England maybe would be New Zealand, Tonga, and Samoa. Theoretically, I think would be England as it currently stands. But you know, come next year when the World Cup is there and England's got a better, more settled team, I think. Anyone who is sleeping on that Fiji team, you know, you you just look at the names that they could put out. 
and the way that those players have turned up for Fiji in the past, even going back, you know, through to 2008 when they potentially didn't have the same, you know, the same top line talent that maybe they do now, but the way that they played for that jersey, exactly the same you could say for PNG. I think next year when you've got a French team that's come in with two Super League teams worth mm. of um, competition into them, and you look at some of the guys who've come through, I watched a lot of Toulouse last year, and there's French talent there. There's lots more French team, French talent spread around Super League than there was before the 2017 World Cup, before the 2013 World Cup, before the 2008 World Cup. You know, all of this, the, I think that's a much deeper talent pool. And then when you look at the, the European teams, whether that's, you know, Greece or Italy, whether that's uh, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, particularly I think Ireland could pick, or maybe I'm biased because my boys, but they, you know, we could turn out a very good team if we, if we could get, you know, if England could pick their team, and Australia could pick their team, and we could go, all right, Mr. Carey and Mr. Sneed, you have been picked. Well, I mean, there's a starting halfbacks, and suddenly you've got a bit of a team coming on. I, love, you this know, I love this Kiri dream that you have, mate, but continue. Oh, mate, he's, he's playing, he's playing. I'm going to kidnap him. I'm going to see him on the streets of Sydney and be like, mate, you're not playing a game. You're not getting injured again. The sneed Carey halfback pairing will happen. Get your passports. <laughs> Look, <laughs> If there's one thing I know as an Irishman with this accent, man, we take anybody. If you've got our national football team in the 90, <laughs> what, 90 World Cup, 94 World Cup, we had a guy who wasn't even remotely Irish. He was one of our best players. So he was uh, pretty Italian. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I believe. But yeah, and I think one of, so what I mean is, I think you've got a clear, I would say now a top five, potentially six. So you've got Australia, New Zealand, England, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, who I think are going to be really, really good. And I think you've got, beyond that, you've got um, a pack of PNG in France, who I think are better than people potentially think. And into that pack, you, you know, you've got Scotland, Cook Islands, Lebanon, um, Italy, Ireland, Wales, where it, it's very dependent on who decides to turn out. And I think when, you know, when we come around, if you look at, say, Mitchell Moses turning out for Lebanon or, you know, Josh Mansour, people like that, then suddenly you've got a very, very good team. But then the difference between the best player and the worst player is pretty vast in those teams. And, and rugby league is a sport which rewards for your worst player is more than your best player mm. often. Mm. So, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you've got James Tedesco turning out for Italy, but you've also got guys from the Italian domestic comp, then... You know, those guys miss tackles. It doesn't matter how good James Desco is. Yeah, yeah. Um, when rugby league is, you know, a little bit like that as a sport, whereas maybe potentially in other sports, you know, I watch a lot of the Olympic basketball and you can have one good player from the NBA get you a long way, as Australia proved. Yeah. <laughs> I think Patty Mills gets you a long way because it's very much a, you know, a strong link sport where your best player is more important than your worst, whereas rugby league's kind of the opposite of that. So it's hard to say. But I think what, what we have is then down to your, you know, what you might say is there's the heritage nations where, you know, Italy and, and Greece and teams like that, which will be predominantly players of Greek and Italian extraction. And then you've got teams like Serbia who could theoretically put out a team of entirely Serbian players from their domestic comp. And, you know, you wouldn't be picking, you don't need to pick Tom Apicek or, um, you know, one of the many Trebojevic's. <laughs> Maybe not the good one, but one of his one at of least one Trebojevic, at least Ben, at least you know? one Trebojevic. Yeah, Ben will get in. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, there's there is that you know 
Ryan Papadopoulos is going to turn out for the Netherlands, but I don't think he's going to. And the Netherlands probably don't. I mean, I know they don't want him to because they think, well, in, they, I know they used to have an agreement, for example, with Germany of not going and trailing the, you know, for the purposes of developing the game, it was better not to just trail everybody who had a German granddad yeah, or a Dutch granddad. Yeah. So I think there is that divide between the teams like, you know, like the Netherlands, which is all guys who play in the Dutch competition. And then, you know, a team like, say, you know, if Greece picked a team out of Irish Eagles and, and, and the Greek competition against the Netherlands competition, it'd be a good game. Yeah. Um, and you've got guys, you know, Stefanos Bastos is playing in the... Yeah, they've, got some, good, in they've got some good players they've got in good the lower players yeah, as well. Right. I don't yeah. mean to do those guys down at all. And that's kind of, that's the pathway that you should, you know, with Lebanon has players like that and Italy has players like that as well. And I know there's players in the Netherlands who would love to have the opportunity to go and you know, play at a rock show on it or well, someone like that. You mentioned, you mentioned Joran Schumacher, and I know he'd be, you know, he'd jump at the chance to play even like Elite 2, Elite 1 or 2, you know, and we've got a few Serbians there as well. I think that most of the Serbians I speak to, they would prefer to have like a team that came out of that domestic league, like Serbian-born, and whether they're playing in other leagues or not as well now, as long as that's where they started, I think they'd prefer that themselves rather than seeing Trebojevic's and things like that there in Opacek. So I think you're onto something there. Um, for sure, man. It's um, al- yeah, it's almost like you might have you might say of the you know what we used to be back in the day when we had the Emerging Nations World Cup. I'm one of the few people who remembers going to that in 1995. Yeah, yeah. So where you had those two separate competitions and and where you could say, okay, we're going to throw in that Philippines team that we we saw in Kensington and we're going to put them up against the Netherlands or we're going to put them up against Serbia. And you know, if you put that competition, you I mean Serbia would probably start as favourites based on these rankings. So. It would be very interesting to see how that all panned out. Yeah. I think... Um, and that's why that competition should exist. And if anyone listens to this from my International Rugby League, bring back the Emerging <laughs> Nations World Cup. I saw a Moldovan play in Rochdale against Morocco. <laughs> I think in emerging, emerging Nations, there's always calls for it. And I think we're, meant, we're actually meant to have an Emerging Nations next year. Or, or, you know, if the World Cup was on this year, the Emerging Nations was meant to be next year. I don't know what the plan is for that. I haven't heard anything, but... I know there's a lot of support from it in you know in the circles that we we hang in, Mike. So I'm you know I'm sure someone's listening. And um, <laughs> what, what, what a cool what a cool gang we are! What a cool gang! Um, you know, maybe we'll have to start it. You know what I mean? But look, look, look on a serious note, you look at that competition that took place in in was it in Bodrum in Turkey, where it was yes, yeah. Turkey, Turkey, Czech Republic, Netherlands, and Malta. Yeah, and obviously Malta could have picked Jared Sammet and lots of players from the yeah, of course, from the, um, yeah. Australian Maltese community, which yeah. is very large. Yeah, but they didn't. And so less, but they didn't. Yeah. And you look at the, and I know personally because, you know, because I fought to the lads with the Cobras, I'm in their WhatsApp group still. They loved the opportunity to go to that tournament, to have that atmosphere. And that was only four teams, you know, done off a shoestring. And so things like that do make a difference in terms of engaging, you know, if you look at, for example, I only use the Netherlands because that's the example that I understand, but like, you know, the guys who show up to play harder like against Rotterdam or whatever. And then when you get the best of those players, you go off and play for the Netherlands. It's such it's such a good thing to keeping those players from out, you know, who aren't from a rugby league background in the game to give them that pathway to say, look, you can play for the Netherlands and you get to go on these trips and you get to go and, you know, play against all these other countries and meet like-minded people. And it makes it feel like this game's, you know, yeah. they get 1% of the game that we've grown up with. That's so right. And when... That, and when, sorry to cut you off, but when they're ranked, when the Netherlands are then ranked 14 in the world, it's a big deal for them. And they can, you know, it's back home, they can, you know, talk about that. They're part of the, the 14th best 
nation in the world on paper, oh, theoretically here, according to the rankings. It's a big deal, man, and it's and it potentially could do good things for the sport over there. Yeah, exactly, and it's and that's that's almost like you know, there's there's the top level, which is you know the kangaroos are fourth, but then there's everything below that. When you look at the, those nations, that's what they look at, and they say, well, actually, that means something to them, and yeah. it should mean something to them because it's that's their reward for playing games, for getting better, for you know, hashtag grow the game. <laughs> so slightly cringe, but those are the people at the front line doing it. And you know, when chasing kangaroos is sending than ten new footies, it actually means something. And that's you know, this is the ecosystem we're trying to create, right? Exactly, mate. I think so too. So all in all, a good thing. Uh, for the record, I think you're pretty spot on. Oh, I not spot, I can't say you're spot on because it's all hypothetical world. But your hypothetical top ten, I agree with most of it. You know, I'd have Australia, New Zealand. I'd probably have some more over England, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think Tonga, PNG, Fiji, France. It, they're all there. You'd probably have Ireland next, and uh, and maybe Cook Islands as, as to round out the top ten. So that would be my theoretical top ten. And I, mate, I hope we find out next year when we have a World mate, Cup. That game, that game, Newcastle, Newcastle next year for um, Samoa against England. That could be an absolute barn burner if I guess because that's I think Samoa. Look, I mean, on paper, I mean, we're basing this a lot off what we've just seen in this NRL season with yeah. so many Samoan players turned out so well and especially all the way when you've got you know Luai and Toto doing so well in State of Origin and then saying nah mate we're playing for Samoa and you know you look at um, Brian you know Brian <laughs> I always think of Brian Toto because his family were quite often on the local news here <laughs> in, or in Madrid and you look at players like that who are so proud to be Samoan and you think well yeah those, if those guys bring that enthusiasm you get enough of them in one place with, with that behind it and of course they like I would back them to be Tonga probably based on the current you know, I'd have to get a pen and paper and write out the teams, but you'd be a, a brave man with back against them against England. But then with England, you think, well, that team is, whilst England has played games, it hasn't played games with its Good best taste. team on the field. Yeah. And, and, you know, a front, you know, a front row that's got Luke Thompson in it and Alex Warnsley is going to be tough for anybody. And Josh Hodgson playing nine and James, well, not James, I probably won't turn out, but Darrell Clark, it's a pretty good pack, pretty good pack and I wouldn't want to go up against it. So, I think England are better than people think they are. If they could, and they're going to come in with Sean Wayne as a coach. They're going to come in pretty fired up at home. Big crowd. I'm excited now. I'm Get pumped, me on a man. plane. There's a year to go. Far out, almost a bit more, a bit less. Sorry, I should yeah. say, mate. Um, I love that we we decided to jump on to talk ten minutes about these international rankings. We've ended up talking about everything, including Ukrainian soccer players. So, mate, Mike, Mike Sergei Rebrov, man, Sergei Rebrov. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. You want to talk about Ukrainian soccer players in about 2000. I'm your man. We'll, start a, we'll have a new bonus episode after this one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mike, It's thanks for the chat, man. I look forward to more of them. I think you're going to be a big part of Chasing Kangaroos next year. It's safe to say. So we're Mate, see I'm, the I'm, the, I'm the new you because you're not going to Macedonia against Vietnam on Sunday. And I will be. So I will be, uh, I'll be taking the place. Playing the role of Michael Carbone will be this... Uh, I was going to say slightly skinnier, slightly bolder. <laughs> slightly skinnier. A lot skinnier. I am. <laughs> and not that much bolder. bolder. Um, more, uh, <laughs> more unintelligible. Maybe I'll get a brownie and do some subtitles. <laughs> Mate, I, well, and this has been my plan all along. You know, sit back, let you and Big T and all you guys come in and do the work and I'll just... I'll just pull the strings from the back and, you know. Oh, Mercho, if you can get the Godfather theme tune behind, I would live this dream. 
<laughs> Mike, thanks. I'm not racially stereotyping you there, but you know. That's all right. If, if you can, you have Luke Keery, I'll have James Tedesco, and we'll see who wins that, that World Cup match, Italy versus Ireland. Mike, thanks for chasing kangaroos with me, buddy. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own. Mm-hmm.